Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the one who knows all things and reveals all mysteries. What is uh, mysterious to us, please help us to understand. What we understand, please help us to believe and to obey. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit down. Now, I didn't check the news headlines this morning, but uh, last night it was uh, full of all the horrible things that are going on uh, in Iraq at the moment. I think we have a, this is a picture of soldiers from the Islamic State uh, in Iraq who've been going around killing Christians, any sorts of Muslims who don't agree exactly with them, uh, and even the Yazidis, a religious group I'd never heard of this time last week. Um, they're going around killing everybody who's not exactly like them. We read of this, we hear of the conflict in Gaza, uh, unrest elsewhere in the Middle East, in, uh, in Syria, ongoing conflict, also in Libya uh, and Egypt. Uh, and then, of course, there is uh, tension in the Ukraine. And that's just the stuff in the headlines. If you dig a bit more deeply, we see that there's uh, unrest and civil war in all sorts of places all over the world. It can feel like the world is, is out of control. Things seem out of control. Uh, and there seem to be these powerful forces that, that we can't control, uh, whether they be um, Islamic fundamentalism, whether it be the forces of the market and the economy, which seem beyond the control of any uh, human government. Um, we see that you know, Russia is flexing its muscles again. China is getting more and more powerful. There are, there are these powerful forces at work in the world that seem beyond our control. So, you know, this, I think, naturally leads us to ask, who is in charge? Is anybody in charge? And I guess that's the sort of question that Daniel and his friends in Babylon would have been asking as well, and the people reading the book of Daniel um, for, for the first time. Who, who's in charge? I mean, to, to Daniel... Uh, it, and his, the people of his generation, it probably looked like Nebuchadnezzar uh, was in charge. Nebuchadnezzar, there's a, a picture uh, of him taken from uh, an ancient Babylonian carving. He was the ruler of the Babylonian Empire that covered most of uh, what is now uh, the Middle East, um, all of what is today Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, uh, parts, most of Egypt, large parts of Turkey and Iran as well. He was the world, he was, you know, he was the leader of the world superpower. At the time, he, he looked like he was really powerful. Uh, and Babylon, it was big. Uh, it was impressive. Uh, a few years ago, I, I was, uh, had the privilege to go to Berlin uh, and in the Pergamon Museum, in Berlin. They have the Ishtar Gate from Babylon. Um, I, that's really impressive. It's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Uh, partly, I just love that shade of blue, but it's a massive, massive brick gate with all sort of dragons and lions and bizarre mythical creatures on there. Um, and, you know, that's only the smaller outer gate. There were two parts, the Ishtar Gate, the outer part and the inner part. That's the outer part. The inner part was too big 
for them to put in the museum. The, the German archaeologists, they excavated it all, and they've still got the bricks in crates in a warehouse somewhere, but they can't get a museum big enough to assemble the whole of the Ishtar Gate. It, it's, it's that, so Babylon was big. Babylon was impressive. It looked powerful. So you know, was Nebuchadnezzar in charge? Was Babylon in charge? Well, the good news for us from Daniel chapter 2 is that God is in charge, Uh, It tells us God is in charge in two ways. Firstly, humans don't know the future, but God does. And secondly, human kingdoms don't last, but God's kingdom will last forever. So firstly, humans don't know the future. God alone knows the future. Uh, That's the focus of the first part of our passage, the bit that Sylvia uh, read for us. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and he asks his fortune-tellers, magicians, sorcerers, and wizards to come and explain the dream to him. Now, we, we might laugh at that description and think of, I don't know, Harry Potter uh, or something, but the, these were the scientists, these were the intellectuals, uh, these were the leading philosophers uh, of their day. These were the most intelligent people. Sorry to go on about museums again, but I kind of like them. Uh, in, in the British Museum, there are all of these tablets, little clay tablets, um, with, I mean, this is, believe it or not, this is a model of a sheep's liver. Uh, and, uh, and they believed that if you sacrificed a sheep and cut out the liver, then you could tell the future based on the liver. And if it bulged more than normal in a particular place, each of these little things would tell you, you know, if it's, in, if it's unusual in that square, then it's going to be raining on Sunday uh, or, or that sort of thing. Other tablets, which, which don't look as impressive, so I don't want to put them up on a picture, but they've got all sorts of kind of star charts. Because for them, astronomy and astrology were the same thing. So they've got some quite advanced astronomy and quite advanced mathematics. These were the most most clever people in the world, but they thought they could tell the future, uh, and they couldn't. And this passage makes it quite clear. It's quite comic, actually. You almost end up feeling sorry for the astrologers and fortune tellers uh, and magicians. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, but he sets them a test. He says, I had this dream, and... uh, I want to know what it means. I've made up my mind that you must tell me the dream and tell me what it means. Uh, the, the fortune tellers say, tell us your dream and we will explain it to you. If your majesty will only tell us what the dream was, we will explain it. You feel sorry for them at first. He is setting them a test that is beyond their ability. They had all these tablets, they had all these charts to interpret livers and the flight of birds and the sun and the stars and they had uh, you know they had a record of if you had a dream this symbolizes that so they were they were the freudian psychoanalysts of their day uh, as well um but they they needed material to work on they they can't tell the future from nothing but actually it's quite a clever idea of nebuchadnezzar's he knows what's going on because h- how does he know that they can tell the future? How does he really know that it's not just a a lucky guess? After all, if they can't tell him the dream that he had in the past, how on earth can they tell him accurately and certainly what is going to happen in the future? And the advisors admit defeat. There is no one on the face of the earth who can tell your majesty what you want to know. um, What your majesty is asking for is so difficult that no one can do it for you. 
except the gods, and they do not live among human beings. No human can do this. Only God can do this. And Daniel is quite clear. When he does tell Nebuchadnezzar what the dream is and what it means, um, Daniel also says, Your Majesty, there is no wizard, magician, fortune teller, or astrologer who can tell you that. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Now, this mystery was revealed to me, not because I am wiser than anybody else, but so that your majesty may learn the meaning of your dream. So, Daniel, Daniel's not saying that he, he can't do this because he's cleverer than anybody else. He can tell the dream and the interpretation of the dream because God and God alone knows the future. Only God knows the future. Um, now, I don't know if you remember, back in the 80s, there were all sorts of, uh, of articles, and I used to read them in the Reader's Digest, about how the Japanese economy was going to take over the world. And uh, we, we all ought to make our economy like the Japanese economy, and even if we did, well, Japan was going to take over anyway. And uh, lots of science fiction films that were made in the 80s that were trying to imagine what the future would look like, they imagined it looking like... Tokyo, um, and really, uh, really sort of Japanese. Uh, and then one day in in the ni- in the early 1990s, the Japanese economy stopped expanding. It, it was sort of going up and up and up. It just stopped expanding, and hasn't really grown since then. I don't know enough about economics to understand why. I know they still make really good cars, but. The Japanese economy did not take over the world, even though lots of very clever people who thought they understood economics, um, thought and business and finance, thought that it was going to take over the world. We, we We can maybe make educated guesses about the future, but we don't know. Yeah, you, we can maybe make a guess about, uh, you know, the Scottish referendum. Um, whether, are they going to vote yes or are they going to vote no? Um, I can make an educated guess, but it's no more than a guess. Uh, and next year, there's going to be a general election. Will we have another hung parliament? Will it be a Labour majority? Will it be a Conservative majority? We can think about what's most likely. We can do projections based on polling results, but we don't know. We don't know the future. Only God knows the future. Uh, but God has revealed um, something of the future to us. You know, we, we don't know whether, whether the Chinese economy will take over the world, but, but God knows the future, and he has revealed something to us, and that is his sec- that's um, my second point, the second thing that uh, Daniel chapter 2 teaches us from the bit that uh, Frank read to us. God tells us that human kingdoms don't last, but God's kingdom will last forever. Human kingdoms don't last, but God's kingdom will last forever. That's where this statue comes in. This statue of uh, head of gold, um, chest and arms of silver, uh, waist and hips of bronze, then legs of iron and uh, feet of iron uh, and clay. Again, it looks impressive, like human empires look impressive. And God tells Daniel, who tells Nebuchadnezzar, that this represents four empires or kingdoms or rulers um, starting with Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian Empire as the, uh, the golden uh, head. And yet this impressive statue is, is hit by a stone. You know, a st- compared to a, a statue made of precious metals, 
A stone doesn't look impressive, but this stone hit the statue and the whole thing was destroyed and blew away um, like chaff in the wind. Well, we're not, we're not told in Daniel chapter 2 what those, uh, what those four kingdoms or empires are, um, but as you can see from, uh, from the diagram, I, th- I think the stone represents Jesus, which means it's most likely, people argue about this, I think it's most likely that uh, the gold is uh, the Babylonian empire, and then the silver as the Persian empire, that uh, the Persians captured Babylon in 538 BC and they took over most of the Babylonian Empire. Uh, then the Persian Empire was destroyed by Alexander the Great and then divided up amongst his successors. I think that's probably the bronze. Then the iron would be the Roman Empire of... Uh, and, of course, it was during the time of the Roman Empire that Jesus uh, was born. I think that's most likely. But the the important point is that there are these big and impressive-looking human empires, but they do not last. Um, They don't. They they crumble. So the Babylonian Empire uh, was destroyed by the Persians. Babylon ceased to be inhabited uh, shortly after the time of Christ. Most of what remains of Babylon is in these two museums in Berlin, uh, and in London. Human empires don't last. Human, impressive human institutions don't last. We, we know this um, just from, you just need to know about Barrow to know that, don't you? Uh, in 1840, Barrow was just a few fishing huts. Within a generation, it was the largest ironworks in the entire world. It isn't any longer. We've been thinking, we were thinking last week about the outbreak of the First World War, a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago, Britain was the biggest empire that the world had seen. Um, the Royal Navy, it wasn't, it wasn't just that the Royal Navy was the biggest navy in the world. The Royal Navy was bigger than the next two biggest navies put together. And many of those ships were built here in Barrow. Um, we, still, we still make ships in Barrow, but not as many. Britannia no longer rules the waves. The British Empire uh, did not last. The Babylonian Empire did not last. The Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, it may last a week, it may last a month, it may last a year, um, a century, it may last a thousand years, but it will not last forever. Human empires, human institutions, however impressive, do not last. But God tells us there is one thing uh, that will last. So this is, this is how big the British Empire used to be. Um, it isn't uh, anymore. Um, I think you know, there's, there, there's the UK and the Falkland Islands and Gibraltar, and you know, that's, that's about it um, nowadays. Human empires don't last. But Daniel tells us there is a kingdom uh, that will last. And it's interesting that uh, Jesus describes himself as a stone that was rejected but turned out to be the most important of all. Uh, when he says this, he said this in our gospel reading, he's actually quoting from Psalm 118, but I think the similarities to Daniel chapter 2 are, are worth noting. There is a stone that looks, again, compared to the, 
the mighty statue, the stone looks unimpressive. We have a stone that, that doesn't look that big, it doesn't look that impressive, but um, you know, in Psalm 118, it turns out to be the most important of all. In Daniel chapter 2, this stone grows up into an enormous mountain that covers the whole world. So God's kingdom doesn't look important. It may not look impressive, certainly not at first. But God says in the future it will turn out to be the most important of all. So a prophet from the obscure northern town of Galilee, uh, abandoned uh, and dying, doesn't look impressive. His early followers traveling around the Mediterranean, there was still a tiny fraction of a percentage of the Roman Empire. At the time, even today, you may think that God's kingdom does not look that impressive. But God says his kingdom uh, will be the most important of all and will last when all other human kingdoms fail. So so let us trust God. Uh, Let us invest in his kingdom with our time, with our energy, with our prayers, with our resources, for, for it is the one, you know, when you, uh, I, 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 don't do, uh, I don't do investing, I haven't got the spare cash, I'm afraid, but I understand from those who do investing, you, you, know, you, want, you want something that you know will last into the future. Well, well, God's kingdom will last. It is the best investment of all. Humans don't know the future, but God does know the future. Human kingdoms don't last, but God's kingdom will last forever. Let us trust him, as Daniel did, as as Nebuchadnezzar came to do. Let us trust God, and let us end with some words that actually uh, from the middle of Daniel chapter 2. We didn't read out because of time, but these are... This is Daniel's song of praise when God revealed the vision to him. God is wise and powerful. Praise him forever. He controls the times and the seasons. He makes and unmakes kings. It is he who gives wisdom and understanding. He reveals things that are deep and secret. He knows what is hidden in darkness. And he himself is surrounded by light. Heavenly Father, thank you that you alone know the future. Thank you for telling us that your kingdom, the kingdom of your son Jesus Christ, will last into eternity. Help us to trust you Help us to invest in your kingdom and look forward to the growth of your kingdom. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.